Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. In today's episode of Hockey Therapy, we are we are at a crossroads with the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they have done in their choice of general managers. So please feel free to share your feelings. This is a safe place. We have we will hold no judgment here. So go ahead. Say what's on your mind. <coughs> Man is the he said, she said, or he said, he said, or she said, she said. Really coming to bear here. Mercy, mercy me. I have never in my life seen a general manager come out and basically detail every little element of every day like that. And as I mentioned on Twitter, he was one random spiritual thankful comment and a thankful to his family comment away from sounding like a NASCAR winner's circle interviewer because he said Ford performance center so many times I almost went out and bought a Ford. I went and clearly he has a performance bonuses attached to how many times he utters it the two times a year he speaks. I, you know, it's like someone said to him, you know, Ford's feeling left out because everything's about the Scotiabank arena, you know, and, and milk and TikTok. You know, and Ford, we need to mention the Ford. So, Shani, please make sure you mention the Ford Performance Center every time you talk about going to Kyle's office. Mm-hmm. As if we didn't know that Kyle only had an office at the Ford Performance Center. Because I'm going to continue to say Ford Performance Center now, too, in hopes that one of these days somebody's going to go out and buy a Ford and try and figure out why the hell they bought a Ford. Is All right, I lied. I'm going to judge a- you for that. <laughs> Does that also explain the Maple Leafs' woes? I mean, money focused instead of. Well, no, I can't turn the Ford acronym into something hockey related. So I'll just say Mm -hmm. fix or repair daily. Uh, Performance center. Found on rink dead? I don't know. (laughs) Found on rink disinterested? Ooh, I like that. That actually almost fits the way they played the last series. It really does. Because when you when you got when you got Wayne Gretzky throwing shade, you know you're in trouble. Publicly, publicly yeah, throwing yeah. Oh, shade. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that was beautiful too. You know why are you getting on my Oilers? You had four guys on milk cartons. Oh snap, he's dead that. I mean, ow. <laughs> I like that Wayne actually has a personality on TV. It's about time. I, I love it. I do love it. Because I'm sure Bissonette was absolutely insufferable for those two days. After they won. Hmm. Hmm. Before all hell started breaking loose again. Hmm. I think he's just pretty much inseparable all the time, but all right. I was trying to... I was trying to put a little padding on the ground there, Cassie. (laughs) (laughs) Eh, Why bother? We're all friends here. Okay. This is true. (laughs) This is true. Uh... Is there anything? No, I got nothing else to say. I mean, invariably they're going to make the wrong decision because now they've, they've shunned, turned away, removed somebody who was a little, I hesitate to say different in thinking because he was still prone to some of the same things, but just someone that was not one of, the reduce, reuse, recycle 34 people, which of course he hasn't been around since the 1980s and he didn't play in the NHL. 
Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Can't play in the NHL, and clearly he's unsuitable. Well, how is he supposed to know hockey if he never played the game? Well, no, and I mean, in in some individuals' cases, how how can they know how to play hockey if they've never played in the NHL or any men's leagues that were? Oh God! Any that anybody care about? Apparently, um, would he? Speaking speaking of completely non loaded. Why would Haley Wickenheiser go get her medical doctorate and then decide to bail on that and go be a general manager of a team that apparently can burn out a human being in such a manner that they're like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore here. (laughs) Cost of loans to secure one degree? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, in Canada, tuition is largely paid for, not entirely, but it's significantly less there than it is here. (laughs) And I'm sure she, because she was still working for them while she was going to school. Yeah, she was. Yeah, so I'm sure having she has. But to your point, since she completed her her doctorate, she did take an elevated role with the organization. Did she really? I mean, assistant general manager well, in charge of direct of, of player development. In title like, alone. That's that's like what that's like one of those titles that just makes it sound like you're important enough to have an office, but also don't have to be in said office very often because you're out doing quote unquote player development. Sounds like being a hockey man, but uh, uh, but better. Like actually like, being able to go out and watch hockey. Sounds like yeah. giving someone like supposed responsibilities without actually giving them supposed responsibilities. Kind of, yeah. It's 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 like the. Uh, it's the George Costanza job, right? Uh, you know, when he was general manager of the Yankees, he'd just walk around and, you know, look annoyed and people would leave him alone and then he'd just take naps under his desk. Which I think you can totally get away with. Because, you know, your job as director of player development, you should be out player developing players, which means you shouldn't really be in your office that often, which means you can go sleep in your office because nobody's going to be looking for you there. <laughs> I want that job. <laughs> oh no, wait! I kind of have that job. Never mind. <laughs> oh boy, let me tell you. Friday, I felt like I had that job. Oh boy, let it out, Pat. We're here. <laughs> I decided to attend my first National Hockey League game in more than three years. And I picked that one. I'm so, so sorry. Or more, more appropriately, that one picked me. <laughs> and I'm still paying the price. <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> I have never been more proud nor happy to be a West Coast hockey fan than that game. I got to bed <sighs> a reasonable hour. I hate this coast <laughs> so <do> much. <laughs> when it comes to sports, uh, I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I've lived, I mean, I've lived here all my life, but <laughs> there are no pros left, but I can't move. My mother watched that entire game. The entire game? Yes, and... That says that says something when an octogenarian, you know, is is up past you know like nine thirty. She was still texting me until the game ended. Because we have over the course of this playoff season seen a hockey fan born. She wasn't even in the state. She was off at my sister's in Idaho, 
and my sister had gone to bed while mom was still up watching the game. So it doesn't take much. It, you know, it's it a really, beautiful it, thing. It really doesn't. And I'll be damned if this board isn't going to continue to find ways to just piss people off. Fail. They they love they love to like fail. I don't understand. They don't I shouldn't say they love to fail. They end up falling backwards into success against their better like yeah. judgment. But um they hurt. Okay. I mean, they just like the things that people do and say, and just how do you even function as a business, let alone as a subculture? <laughs> I just, I don't quite understand how this all happens to work. Nobody does, Cassie, not even them. I know they don't. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's just, it's, it's mind numbing to watch them be handed you know, what should be an absolute goose that lays the golden eggs and, and them start plucking it thinking it's, you know, Christmas dinner. Oh no, That's what 82 games are for. For them to figure out, no, they were wrong the whole time and then completely misjudge something again. Oh God. At the end of the season. <laughs> but, so... Thursday morning, I receive a text message from a friend reaching out saying, it's been a while, because it had been a while, are you in for tonight? And spoke with my wife, and I was like, you know what, let's just, let's just go for it, see what happens. And then, sure enough, I get out a little early because, um, Infrastructure in the U.S., Mid-Atlantic, and Southeast is non-existent. So you actually have to get out to the game early to, you know, be able to see puck drop, even for an 8 o'clock start. Parking. And sure enough, lunch. loads of people come up to me asking me, hey, where have you been? Long time no see, yada, yada, yada. And then we get to talking, people start asking me questions, thoughts about this, thoughts about that. What do you think of the game? And I'm like, I'm not in the prediction business, but I have a feeling this is going to be a long night. And the amount of voodoo dolls, the amount of um, restraining orders that are in the works at local lawyers' offices to make sure I can't go into the building again that are being drafted, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, are, are going crazy. But it's wild how... It, Two teams simultaneously play. They're not the same teams. They don't play exactly the same stylistically, despite what everyone is saying. That's a that's an NBCSN style uh, observation. But one team is playing exactly the way they need to, yet still haven't solved their fatal flaw in being able to score. And Florida's been opportunistic, and it's been wildly entertaining as someone who was never nervous, or I didn't have those fan feelings. I was just there enjoying hockey. It was nice. Until about 1 a.m. Then it was getting a little punchy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, I have to say it's, it was always kind of nice growing up going to like games in Seattle that I couldn't stay until I, I mean I'm the person who stays to the bitter end no matter what okay always have been because like the last two minutes of a football game more happens in that than like the rest of the game usually lasts about twice as long so um but I always came into Seattle over the ferry and the ferries don't run all night long. They, and the last run is usually around 11 or 1115. And so, you know, it was like, Oh gosh, gotta go. Got a ferry to catch. See ya. (laughs) Well, it's like, it's like in New York, right? When all the people start bailing because the last trains to whatever borough they live in are leaving. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I was like sitting at a Mariners game once and it was going into the 14th inning, I think. And my sister and I are looking at our watches going, huh, guess we have to go catch a ferry. Gosh, that's too bad. <laughs> well, that is that is baseball, Cassie. I mean. Oh, I know. Yeah, you go to baseball so, games to like watch the fans. You don't go to baseball games right. to watch baseball unless you're right behind home plate and nobody gets tickets there because they're too expensive. So, and they're terrible seats. They are. Well, they're good seats if you are not right directly behind the catcher, but slightly off to the side, so you can see that whole thing. But you have to have. It's like hockey, right? You have to be in the right seat in the corner to see absolutely everything because if you're too far over you're gonna like not see the end entirely if you're too far over the other way you're not going to see the boards entirely so yeah it's same with baseball if you're going to sit behind home plate you have to be just in the right spot behind the catcher so that you can see what's going on but again but the analytics the analytics people ruin that seat because there are no more sacrifice bunts there are no squeeze plays there are no hit and runs there's no ground ball pitchers it's like sometimes their good ideas and their good statistics don't lead to good product (laughs) did i set set the table well enough or no Oh, things I want to say, things I shouldn't say, because I'll be banned from hockey Twitter forever. I'll say it right now. I don't care what Carolina's expected goals numbers were in the two games. And by the way, thank you, Matthew Kachuk, to making sure I could get into bed before 1230 last night after getting home from the (laughs) arena. Because my wife decided, oh, let's take the kids to a game. I can get us tickets. Oh, dear God. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm running on fumes. You mm-hmm. are the curse. I am. <laughs> it is you. You should um, the wife. Whatever. No, it was me. She has a better <laughs> record than I do. Uh-huh. I so I am Owen. I have never seen a home team win in the Eastern Conference Final. That's the fifth time I've gone to an Eastern Conference Final game. The home team has lost every time. So, it's me, and I'm okay with that. Um, we all have our talents. No. Carolina has all these expected goal numbers in their favor, and I'm, I'm sorry say, that say, that's that's smoke and mirrors, my friends, because I, they are not I doing to enough say. to win games. I have to say it. Expected by whom? Hey, I've been yes, telling friends for years from somewhere else. <laughs> expected goal stats are full of crap. They they are worth as much as a Steve Simmons column. The we are not anti-analytics people by any stretch of the imagination. We are not anti-information, anti-data people. I will speak for myself. The public models all blow donkey. They do. Uh, okay, so I was actually thinking about this earlier today. That should frighten everybody. And I could, I could come up with, because I've been like tossing around the idea. I don't really want to because it's going to be controversial. And um, while I usually enjoy con- you know, creating controversy, this would just make me tired. Um, but, you know, I've been tossing around the idea of creating a, a, a defense stat, right? And very involved because def- team defense is team defense. Right. But, you know, I would do it in such a way that like, I mean, I took three statistics classes in college, two of them spatial statistics, which would be applicable to hockey because, you know, it's spatial. Spatial. Um, (laughs) One graduate level. Uh, I, I, I could and I've had the scientific method pounded into my head all through college. And so I would do it the right way. You know, I would have methodology. I would have, you know, use standard deviation and chi and all of that stuff, whichever was worked well. You know, the the um, significance 
of error, whatever that may be, all of the whole thing where it could be the, the whole thing could be submitted not just to a sports analytics journal, but to a professional scientific journal and a geographic spatial journal, like scientifically rigorously reviewed kind of things. Because, damn it, I'm going to do it right if I'm going to do it, right? And I was sitting there thinking about that going, yeah, I could do all that. And people would still reject it because it wasn't what the rest of the, the analytics community does. And I, I, know so this comes, I, I know this comes across as harsh. There are very smart people out there who have created these models. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to, to be denigrating them. My my primary issue are the suppositions for the basis of these models tend to be flawed. I mean, you you start you start with the OG, right, Corsi? Well, if you got a shot on net, that means you have the puck. You know, having the puck more means you win more games. Well, we started to find out that wasn't actually true, and then it became well, we need to be a little bit more concise with this. So now, what do we do? So now you start moving on to the next thing. It's supposed to show you. And then invariably, somewhere around early April, all these models start falling apart largely. Their their accuracy rate starts to decline. And why is that? Well, because your variance of 82 games now shrinks to four. You have four games. It's a best of seven. You've got four games to figure it out. So, you know, oh, we expect this to normalize. Okay, after how many games? Well, after about 20. Well, then by then you're out. You know, you're done. Well, it's it's like everybody keeps saying generally, and they don't apply it to their statistical models, is that playoffs is another season. Yeah. The, there's a whole different way of playing. It's a whole different way of looking at the game. And you need to have two models, one for regular season and one for playoffs. You can't have one. One is not going to work. One will never work for the very reason that you're talking about. And the other issue that is is um, data sets, right? The how large your yep. data set is. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> go on, Cassie. Go on. Pat thought he was setting me up. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so so the problem that they're running into is that they don't have enough data points. And the reason they don't have enough data points is they're going game by game. When in reality, they should be doing shift by shift. Each shift should be a data point. Therefore, you would get, for most of the league, over a 1,000 data points, which is actually what you need to make accurate predictions. <sighs> okay, I need to stop. <laughs> I need to stop. No, 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 no. Keep going. No, no, you're good, Cassie. It's no. all good here. It's all good here. The the issue, the, the underlying issue with all of it, honestly, is that the public models are being made by people who are trying to find some statistic that either exists or can be created to justify what they already think of the game. They are trying to find a pattern in the noise based on that. And the problem that they truly run into when the sample size drops is live in-game update. Jason <laughs> Robertson is back, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, baby. Yeah, J-Rob. 2-1 Dallas. 10-39 yeah. left in the second period. Him, him scoring one that last game, you could see the relief coming off of his face. And, of course, this is subsequently love all those shots of the coach looking down at the monitor, trying to figure out were they a fraction of an inch offside on oh, their last God. entry 35 seconds ago. Oh, dear God. Saw two of those reviews in person, but we'll talk. Let's save that for later. 
You might fall asleep. There might not be a later. <laughs> oh, God, I, I hope so. Oh, thank goodness. No review there. But so going back to my point, the sample size changes. But also everything that the teams are doing changes. Why are, if, if we've talked about this in the past couple of weeks, why is officiating a bigger subject? Because the players are completely playing different and the stakes have completely changed. So everything is in hyper focus. Coincidentally, coaches, their pre scouts, there's pre scouting meetings in the regular season. Here are two or three bullet points. For the first round, teams are overanalyzed to death. Teams are playing a specific way to battle a specific team. Because and that happens time, right? every round. Yeah, they have lead time. The first two games in most series, it's usually, you know, game one is fire wagon hockey because they haven't had lead time. Game two, it's okay. We have a little more footage and we've been able to focus on this one team, and what we can do against them for a while. Everything changes. So even with your models tracking certain things, the meaning of the data points that you have collected are different. You just haven't derived what those meanings are. Because honestly, maybe we should stop trying to find meaning in the numbers and just understand here are the number of events that happened. And then we can start generating hypothesis. Well, if, if Team X does this event more, they tend to win. Well, let's look into why. And then we get into philosophical debates, which can't be tracked by numbers. It's like writing a thesis, but without doing a you know research study in a dissertation. Everybody wants numbers so they can compare numbers to numbers because they think numbers are the end-all be-all when the reality is numbers are a tool to be interpreted with the given situation to make decisions. It's not, it's not the end-all be-all. One number being bigger than the other number doesn't mean jack unless you have context, right? And yeah. you have to have context. And so, I mean, yeah. If the you're, Arizona you're Coyotes... doesn't mean anything. <laughs> if the Arizona Coyotes put up the regular season numbers from the last five years for the Toronto Maple Leafs, would they have an arena deal in place by now? If the Arizona Coyotes have done better sampling of the voter, the actual not potential voters, would they have an arena deal? If the Arizona Coyotes actually did a feasibility study on all of the available arenas within the Phoenix metropolitan area, including demographics, economic status, uh, commute times, where people are working, restaurants are, et cetera, and so on, would they actually be featured in um, potential relocation rumors? They would have never moved to Glendale because as we've talked about before, they tried the field of dreams model. If you build it, they will come. Mm. No, they really won't. Ottawa but proved that to you. And I was it's actually Canada. reminded, listening to another song, they were actually looking to do and build their own arena or work with some group in Scottsdale. And Glendale just happened to build one and say, hey, here, you can play here and operate this for us. And they took the easy way out. They stopped listening to what their data suggested, what any of the studies Cassie just described would have told them. And they did the opposite because it's the cheap and easy and map. They did not watch Rocky for the training montage. There's no easy way out. There's no <laughs> shortcut home. And the speaking of the cheap the and easy way. way out, and speaking of the cheap and easy way out, Brendan Shanahan talking to Gary Bettman about who he should hire to replace Kyle Dubas. Uh... 
Uh huh. Returning a favor? I don't know. If that doesn't have the dear God help us sound to it, I don't know what does. Help us find someone. Someone, please. We weren't expecting this, but we kind of were. <laughs> it's it's we the it's the whole um, what is it? We don't know what we're all out of ideas, and we've done nothing. We, we've tried. <laughs> we've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what that is. Which is I, it? Actually, it's actually like. Whenever, whenever I see that meme and that that clip, that Simpsons clip pop up, every single time I think this is like the theme of hockey. Nothing, <laughs> and we're all out of ideas. Yeah. Uh, oh my dear God. Yeah. These people, Ugh. man, I tell you, boy, I tell you what, um. That's just ensuring we're going to get a retread. You know, I can't wait to see Peter Chiarelli as the general manager of the Leafs. So long as you, it's it's not Stan Bowman. Yeah. If if you thought the meltdown was spectacular, you know, every every iota of goodwill had been thrown out the window after the second round loss and the way the second round loss happened. Watch what happens when they announce Peter Chiarelli. Because I can't, I cannot wait for the Mitch Marner for Seth Jones trade to happen. Because that's about the equivalent of the uh, Taylor Hall for Larson trade, right? That sort of a modern equivalent. Get rid of a guy you kind of desperately need for a guy that you desperately don't understand what they do and really kind of aren't that good at it. Now, granted, hey, Larson's had a hell of a season in Seattle. I think getting out of Edmonton did him a world of good. Yeah. But I also think being played appropriately where he should be also did him a hell of a lot of good, too. So good good for both of them. Yeah, I, I I can't wait to see because, I mean, we all know it's Mitch Marner at this point, right? He's going to be the sacrificial lamb from the why Michigan. just him? Why not more? Because you're dancing, you're dancing that fine line, Cassie. You're dancing a really fine line. You get rid of Matthews, all hell will break loose. Because there is a reverence there. He is, you know. Right well, I was now, thinking Nylander, a, actually. Well, okay. So <laughs> Nylander is the other one, right? You know, you actually need somebody who's going to produce in both the regular season and the playoffs, and he's shown the ability to do that. Is right, he but, he's, he's, but yeah. he's not been well thought of since he first got there by... That's, that, the hockey men, don't care. Everybody. <laughs> the hockey men and your racist uncle, don't care. Right, but that's those are the people making these decisions, is what I'm saying. Statistically speaking, that is an unbelievably high value contract. Absolutely. And but just because um, the followers of e- Elon, who work in Toronto, hate the guy because he's Swedish, racism. Xenophobia, uh, nationalism, xenophobia, whatever you want to say. Jealousy. Jealousy. Hmm. You know, they're yeah. just going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. Tavares is immovable. Matthews is immovable. Nylander, if you want to maintain any sort of, I don't want to say success, but any sort of hope of balance and depth in your lineup is immovable. That leaves you Riley and Marner. 
And if you Marner trade it Riley, is. yeah, if you trade Riley, you have just set your entire defensive core back like 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that's what they'll do. Which is likely what is exactly going to happen is they'll, is, they'll, is they'll dump Nylander and Riley. Mm-hmm. They'll find some way to justify it. And then they'll get rid of Marner at the trade deadline if they don't do as well as they thought they were going to. Yeah. After and they'll fire Keith just you know like a couple months prior to that. Mm-hmm. If they're like really down, not down in the standings by the uh, end of December. If they are languishing in a wild card spot. If the milk on their jerseys begin to spoil, i.e., the sponsors start. Pulling a pulling back the reins based on team performance. Sponsors, I, sponsors. I, hmm. I highly doubt any sponsor would dive away from the main. That's well. That's pretty, what's going to be it, interesting? If they get Stan Bowman and, and Joel Quinville, maybe, <laughs> maybe that'll happen. <laughs> I mean, if there was an echo chamber where that would work with. People in power and influence and who help, you know, keep the Maple Leaf sports and entertainment in the black financially. Yeah, Toronto would be fine with it. What would it take for them to lose money? I mean, even in their bad years, there's still like a little ATM. Well, it's because... It's corporate dollars have to be pulled because... They're not jeopardizing anything with future generations of fan bases, which we've seen in other markets. It's because the corporate dollar keeps them afloat because the next generation of fans can't get tickets. Well, no, see, that's the thing, though, is is that season ticket holders and people who would buy up those tickets if the team, like, is not doing well are suddenly being replaced by the people who have always wanted to go to games there and were never able to because there weren't any ticket availability, not because they want, they think that their team is going to win, but because this is their one shot at going to a Leafs game. Yeah. Right. But that, so that, there's always going to be, there's always going to be demand for tickets regardless. Yeah. That, that dynamic shift where, well, we're just hitting that age where, well, companies are getting acquired that have bought corporate seats, so packages of tickets to give out to either their their clients or to reward some of their employees because, you know, once upon a time, employers used to do that sort of thing with regularity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a big and massive shift come, but we're decades away from that really hitting. For any team, like we could be saying the same thing about the Knicks because that's still for years and years and years, that was a ticket based on, well, exclusivity and social and financial status. Unlike what's happening in Arizona. If we were talking about the NBA Suns, a team that's been there for years and won a bunch of championships, basically had the same pedigree of the 60s and earlier's Maple Leafs in that market. We wouldn't be having the arena discussion. No, it's because of all these other mitigating factors that no Canadian team that hasn't relocated has had to deal with outside of really Ottawa. sort of i mean that that did and now we're playing the fuzzy math game yeah we're playing the fuzzy math game with ottawa right now based on what they're going to sell for and what they are or are not worth in fake dollars (sighs) all right so where would you put a relocated team Portland, Sacramento, for selfish reasons on both of them. 
Hold up, switching to my maps tab, because it's been a while <laughs> since I've actually had to open it up during the show. We've been pretty good um, I, No, I've been... Well, one, I like maps. Um, That's probably good. <laughs> Bo- Boise, Idaho, just for the laughs. They don't have a building. They, I know they don't, but... They would never build one. <laughs> No, they 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 do well with their ECHL franchise and but that strikes me as one of those why aren't they on those lists of top 10 cities in the blah blah it's cuz they're Boise Idaho. They're not on the <laughs> East Coast. So they're not they're, It's actually the, a pretty small town is the story. It is. There's not a lot of population to go around, you know, that kind of thing. There's not a lot of money there generally yeah. speaking. Whereas another small town I know where we wouldn't have discussions like this because they have the money and the population is Boston. Like Boston is not a large city in of itself, but it's had 300 plus years to build up everything that it has. Unlike some of these West coast cities. Yeah. So my answer is obviously Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) See, see, the problem with Boston, Pat, is like you can stand on top of the yard and throw a baseball and and hit another state. See, you somebody know? was actually asking. Well, I, I like the way you know. There's there's no mention of Hartford in any of these like lists, and I'm like, it's because Hartford doesn't have a building, and and they're like, oh yeah, they do. They have they have the XL Center, and I'm like, the XL Center used to be the mall. That's where the Hartford Whalers used to play. And when I was there a couple of years ago, it basically looked exactly the same as it did the last time I was there in 1995. Hey, great. uh, (laughs) It'll be retro, Cassie. It'll be retro. Oh, retro. Right. Right. Retro. Retro is in. Retro is cool. Uh Everyone, you know, everyone loves the It's the the 1990s revival. Yeah. See? All right. Take us back to the glory days of the NHL, right? Uh, they had glory days? There was a couple of years in there. <laughs> hmm. So when the NHL wants to go full regionalism and just buy into, this is the way the model is working, let's just, let's just keep flowing with it because the talent's there, but there aren't enough hockey men to influence, oh, here are all these really good players that we can put together and actually make good teams. They actually played in the league. I don't think Portland's going to be on the NHL's radar for any length of time, but Sacramento does interest me. What is one thing they always said about Quebec? Too small? Not, not just too small. It's not population casting. It's not population of actual corporate dollars. Bingo. What do you got just lounging around in Portland? Oh, God, I actually did think about this. Lots of money. Lots of people Mm -hmm. with lots of money. And rivalry. You have the built in rivalry with Vancouver and Seattle. Exactly. And it actually is a true rivalry because they already have rivalries in place with soccer and with minor league hockey. Yes. And with just societal it's like new york and boston oh yeah without the yankees and red sox it's it's kind of i don't know with us it's sort of like it's a one-way rivalry right they envy us and up in seattle and we're just kind of like oh you know yeah you're so sweet and that's that's the same thing with everybody though like you can tell where the regional hub is by who's patronizing to who. (laughs) So like Seattle's a regional hub because we're patronizing to like Vancouver and Portland and Spokane and Boise. And we all just want to pat them on the heads going, oh, you're so cute. Oh, well, look at you trying to be a real city. Aren't (laughs) you sweet? Yeah, you're just adorable. So I know they would never build a hockey-only arena in this area of the Port- Portland metropolitan area, but having a team in Vancouver that could be successful <laughs> just for the lulls. And I'm talking about Vancouver, Washington people. 
Vancouver, yes, Washington. Yes, two Vancouvers. So, so brief brief story on that is that Vancouver, Washington was there before Vancouver, BC, in the sixties, I guess. They the mayors or whatever got together and decided, and we're talking about well, so somebody should change their name because we have two Vancouvers, right, in the region. And Vancouver's like, well, we're older, so we should keep our name. And Vancouver, BC was like, that's cute. No, we're going to stay Vancouver then. Never mind. <laughs> so that's why you have that. And then the other fun story is that people who are going to um, Vancouver, BC, or Vancouver, Washington, they get off the plane in Seattle, they go north because all of the signs say this way to Vancouver and they get to the Canadian border and the border crossing guards are like, yeah, you need to go five hours the other way. Yeah. You're about 450 miles <laughs> off. So what and you do is you just turn around here and take this exact same road all the way South. Yeah. And it's actually a real thing and it happens on a regular basis. So, so yeah, that would definitely be uh, um, that would be great for hilarity. I, um, <clears throat> I kind of want them in Sacramento for um, for the lulls because I want to I want to see Sharks fans just absolutely lose their mind about someone else stealing their their quote unquote territory. Uh, see, I was thinking about that with uh, uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, but nobody cares if they steal from Chicago. Chicago would care. Yeah, who cares about Chicago? Does Chicago deserve to care right now? No, no. they really don't. No. No. After they were gifted Connor Batard? No, they really don't. Mm -hmm. Do I think it was rigged? Eh. No. No, I don't. I think that, but, but as other people were saying on Twitter, and I agree, I think he ought to pull, pull a Eric Lindros on him. Yeah. <sighs> Talk about controversy. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Well, I, I he want doesn't have to, to sign out. a deal. Yeah, I want his parents to come out and say, you know, the thing that Gretzky said. Right. Right, which is, do I feel my son would be safe in this environment? Yeah. I don't, so I Maybe don't want not. them there. Yep. Even if all the quote-unquote parties are no longer there, you haven't proven to me that you've done anything differently. Right. You have institutionalized this behavior. And Chicago is a fun place to play. It's why an independent AHL-owned team can succeed and draw players there because Chicago is a lovely place to live. It's a fun place to be if you have a little pocket change and you're in your mid to late 20s. So is that the you... best environment for an 18-year-old? No. Hmm. No, someone had asked me uh, last week, I guess, on Twitter. Someone had asked me how much is how how much is enough? What is enough? And I was like, when they show genuine remorse, and in this case, no one really has. When they publicly, <laughs> vociferously apologize to the victims. And start showing receipts on how you've changed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not just expecting us to, not just expecting us to believe because you attended some diversity thing that you're all better now. Behavior is a change. One diversity is a sign thing. of change. Behavior is a sign of change. Anything less than that is not acceptable. And when they fail to present Connor Bernard with what I was hoping to be a rebranded jersey, that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. They don't want to do anything unless they are forced to by ownership eating. And so long as the guy that wanted to move away from the whole thing is still there as the owner, I still go back to Mark Lazarus's best line ever when he was just pounding away at him and kept saying I don't you know I don't want to talk about it anymore I've said enough and Mark Lazarus is like yeah you said enough when you've institutionalized that kind of behavior nope don't care and remember when they followed it up 
I mean, the timelines are a little off here, but remember when they sort of followed up a lot of that stuff and went to the virtual draft and had eight women standing around their general manager? Like that was some sort of... It's like the racist person saying, I have a black friend. Exactly. Exactly. They just, they just literally said, I can't be racist. You know, we can't be sexist and institutionalized sexual assault. We've got eight women here. Okay. Right. Right. We, we don't, we don't believe in, or of course we're not, um, we don't have rape culture. We don't believe in rape culture here. We've got all these women. Uh-huh. And which hockey player did that and brought up Nazem Kadri again? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Isolated I bubbles. I can't be racist. I played with Nazem Kadri. Jesus, God in heaven. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what planet they- do you live on? <laughs> Thankfully, as this year's playoffs are showing, there are lots of good goalies available and out there that can play and succeed for teams. Well, for crying all, out all it takes is the right team to ruin that opportunity for one or two players. <laughs> or you can bring in James Reimer. You, you decide. I don't know. <laughs> Vegas is on their fourth string goaltender who is starting for them in the Western Conference Finals who has backstopped them to a lead in said Western Conference. He is the fourth on their depth chart. This isn't the first time they've done this because remember that first season they were injured to the point where they had to call the kid up from the um, from one of the junior teams <laughs> as an emergency. If but you they have kept winning good- that first year. If you have good team defense, you can get away with it. Oh, so so you're saying <laughs> a a a two-time Vesna Trophy winning goaltender who'd been playing in front of outrageously bad defenses who coincidentally protected a play, a defenseman they traded less than six months later. And gave up Marcia So and Riley Smith to Vegas. You know, once you got a good defensive coach and some just solid defensively responsible players and Mark Stahl, but <laughs> five responsibly defensive players and some structure, he's looking lights out again. You said the key word, structure. Mm-hmm. Because what is it? What's the what's the old thing, right? Um, they're gonna look they're gonna look worse in the AHL because they're learning how to play. They'll look better in the NHL because there's more structure in the game. So in the yeah. NHL, and it takes a while to get used to it because in the AHL you have no idea where the shots are coming from. In the NHL, they will keep them to lanes, and all you got to do is stop the ones that get through. Yeah. You know, we doesn't people will still lament the goalies, all this bulkier equipment, all this bigger stuff that was happening in the late nineties. Those goalies just had to stand there half the time and take up space. They weren't moving post to post a ton. They weren't facing 60, 70 shot attempts sixty times a season like some goalies are now. Like who knows? That could have I wonder what would have happened to Cam Talbot if his workload were brought down a little bit that one year in Edmonton. I mean, you can tell that that things are in some ways too structured because there are too many offensively minded players who keep getting goals from the exact same spot season after season after season when if they weren't if they had a little more like flexibility in that structure, that wouldn't happen. Hey, I mean, yes, the, those players are good. Don't get me wrong. And those are, that's their best place no, to no. shoot from. However, until they stop me, I'm going to feed off that until they stop me. Exactly. And then I'll go find somewhere else. And exactly. It's and, a two way street. It's not up to them to change where they score from. It's up to the other team to stop them. Yes. Force me to go change. Exactly. But and so how, I was going to say, how funny was it that structure went out the window 
into game three of Hurricanes Panthers Thursday night, Friday morning. They were just playing shinny hockey towards the end of it because the structure only does so much. It's well, limiting. They were too in tired a lot of ways. to think about structure. <laughs> Once they pass the fruit and crap line, um, all bets are off for anybody being able to. Like, but it was walk. still. It wasn't. It wasn't a extremely entertaining or high quality. But no. there were still some chances. It was still fun to watch. That's because they revert back to like how they learned the game. Basic skills. Yeah, they just, because they're so tired and they can't, their their mental focus at that point's got to be gone. And, you know, their body's like on the edge of collapse and they're just going through the motions at that point. You know, there's yeah. not a lot yeah. of thought going on. There's not a lot of like, like skill necessarily. It, they are on automatic pilot and they are just reacting to whatever's it, it, going on in front of them. They're they're like a car that has a fatal, you know, something fatal go wrong with a transmission or, or some electronic component and they put you into limp home mode and it's just sort of like, I don't know how to do 30 miles an hour. You can only go this, you know, you can only go so many miles. You can turn left, you can turn right. That's about it. All right, well, or, or, you know, like me, it's like going home late at night. I'm tired and I drive a stick shift. And so my clutch foot automatically reverts back to the first clutch I ever drove, which is my first car. And my current car's clutch doesn't work like that at all. And so I'm like, why am I stalling this? <laughs> I used to be able to slip this clutch. Now, what the hell? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, right. Yeah, that was a different car. <laughs> and then I just keep going on, doing the same thing, not thinking about it. And then at the next traffic light, why am I stalling this? <laughs> oh, yeah, good times. <laughs> But how does this impact the Leafs? Um, I was going to say... Well, I mean, they are a stalled clutch. <clears throat> They're definitely a stalled car. They're definitely a stalled car at a, at a green light. Um, and I know the answer to this is largely no, but I'm surprised they're still making the quest for the Cup, the series. Um, on ESPN+. You Plus. mentioned this to us on the group I, chat. I, I, yes, I am surprised they're still making it. They did one last year too. They've, you know, um, I'm surprised they left the profanity in good on them. And I'm surprised they left some of the conversations that were happening on the ice in too. two in particular. And I don't remember, there's only two episodes out so far, but I don't remember. I think it would have to have been the second episode because uh, one of the referee conversations was to Lindy Ruff telling him to have his guys watch the interference on the face-offs and Lindy Ruff barking back. You get the, I know he's telling you to, I know he's barking at you about this, but we're barking at you too, because they're doing it too. And the ref's just sitting there going, I know I'm just telling you. Okay. You know, it was really sort of like the, I don't know if you've ever officiated a game where you've got somebody in your ear, from another team like these guys are doing this all the time go you know this is getting ridiculous and you go over and you talk to the other team and it's like i'm only here to deliver a message that i was asked to do so i understand i hear you go away <laughs> and he really did lindy's just sitting there barking at him about it and he's like i understand I, lindy lindy i understand i'm just letting you know okay <laughs> and the second one that amazed me they sort of left in was at the end of the Oilers Knights game, um, the the one where Edmonton sort of bounced back. Um, they had uh, Evander Kane, and um, oh my God, I'm spacing I'm spacing his name now. Fifty five, Colasar. 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 Yeah. Yeah, they had Evander Kane. They were standing in between, you know, a, a linesman was standing in between them two, and the ref was telling them that they're both gone for the game. He's had enough of their 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 stuff. And Evander's going, what did I do? What did I do? And he looks at him and he says, point blank, you're the powder keg in this. And Kolasar is sitting there literally telling him, I'm coming after you every shift. I'm coming after you every shift. And the ref says to him, you hear that? That's why. You're both gone for 10. Go away. 
And Evander's like, what did I do? What did I do? And he just literally is like, you're the powder keg. He's going to come after you every shift. This is going to get out of hand. You're both gone type thing. And I was like, okay. To, to see sort of how they explain this stuff to players. And there were a few other little bits in there too, right? Like, you know, with a, there was a waved off goal that, that Edmonton thought they scored and the refs were like, no, 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 no. Here's why, you know, the play had basically stopped before, you know, if you had been in shooting motion, you know, when the net came off, then it would have been a goal, but the puck was laying there and then someone came and poked it in. That's no goal. So, you know, you got a better, you got a better um, description of what they were doing by listening to them actually talk to the players that way, instead of just the sort of, you know, after review on the ice, it was determined, blah, blah, blah. There's no goal to hear them actually turn around and say why they came to that determination. So, I, I applaud them for that. I mean, they, they're, you know, they were kind of cookie cutter in some sense, but there were little entertaining bits here and there. See, I just think, uh, yeah, I'm listening to you and I'm like, I don't recall anybody ever explaining anything to me in terms of like fouls, penalties, or anything when I played sports, ever. It was just... This is the penalty. This is the foul. Do what you need to do. And that was that. There was no explanation. There was no, I mean, I granted this is professional sports, right? But it's still, I'm just kind of like, but why are you even asking? Why does the referee need to explain this to you? Can't you just like accept it and move on with life? Because it's part of the game. Obviously no, because that that you just reminded me of you just reminded me of one of the other situations that that I thought was kind of funny. They left in was at the end of one of the Edmonton Vegas games. um, Dayarnay from the Oilers took a pretty liberal cross check on Mark Stone, and the ref's arm went right up, and he's yelling, "I got it! I got it! I got it!" And they blow the play dead, and he's the ref is still yelling, "I got it! I got it!" Mark Stone gives the guy a complete two-hander Paul Bunyan chop. Mm -hmm. And and the ref goes, that's it. You're gone. You're gone too. And Mark's like, whoa, whoa, what? And the ref's sitting there yelling at him. I told you I had it. I told you I had it. I told you I had the call. And Mm -hmm. you slashed him. You're both. And Mark's still barking at him. The ref's going, I told you I had it. (laughs) Like, you know. You can. And, it was kind of interesting to hear that. And you wonder why the term game management is necessary? Situations like this. Yeah. I. What is, you know, you just negated it by, you know, going red mist, Stone. You just negated it by going red mist. Sorry. I told you I had the call. Whoops, you know, and the other funny one actually that I thought was really cute was Wyatt Johnson living um, with Joe Pavelski. And there was a scene where they were just sort of like prepping stuff for dinner. And I've never been more terrified to watch a human being hold a knife and attempt to cut an onion as I was watching Wyatt Johnson do this. You know, here's a 19 year old kid who's probably, you know, who's been billeted or, you know, had other people and, and Pavelski's family is like asking him, you know, to sort of prep dinner and they're going to make something. It sounded like, you know, Tex-Mex type stuff. And, and he's sitting there holding an onion and I'm just like, dear God, he's going to be out three weeks because he's going to take his thumb off with that knife. So we need NHL players like rookie class part when they do like the upper deck rookie camp. They should also be filming episodes of like nailed it just to see how terrible a thing they could put together. Yes. But way less dangerous because you're not using ultrafine cutlery and Oh, Pavelski has a hella nice hella nice house and kitchen, obviously, as he's well earned. Sure. But some gorgeous knives too, and I'm just sitting there going, get that away from him, please. Mrs. Pavelski, <laughs> get that away from him, please. A man who knows how to tip a puck with extreme efficiency can handle a tool. That calls uh, for no, I, I extreme I, proficiency? No. I no. wouldn't say that. <laughs> no. I, I, I no. wouldn't either. 
I, I think I think he'd probably be following the norm, you know, the the societal norms of I work the grill, she does the chopping and stuff. Right. Um, but it was it, it was kind of cute because, you know, Joe is Joe. You know, I I'm starting to I'm starting to get that old man with a cup thing now. I you know kind of Ray Bork. I kind of want him to get one just because he's 38. Mm-hmm. Look what he's doing. Deboer. I can. Che- I'm cheering for three of the four teams to win the cup this season, primarily for either old guy without a cup or. Wouldn't it be awesome to see Jack Eichel win it in his first full season? Well, you know who else that it'd mean won a cup? Our beloved... Who's that? Philip J. Castle. This has been the 3v3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.